Hello everyone, welcome to Future Proofing Conversations. This is a new series designed to explore the future of work where we'll be speaking with pioneers, disruptors, revolutionaries and inspirational leaders on how they're challenging conventions and leading change in the world of work. This week, I'm speaking with Laura Kappel-Abra. She's a serial entrepreneur and a real inspiration of mine. The founder of the creative industry coaching company, No More Ifs or Buts, as well as the founder recently of Stress Matters, an organization that helps improve workplace well-being. In this discussion, Laura shares her personal story and her experience of burnout as a driving force behind her success. And we also talk about lessons for leaders of organizations in how to help develop resilience in the workforce, why we shouldn't shy away from talking about difficult issues like mental health and stress. We talk about the return on investment of well-being initiatives and why work-life balance might actually be the wrong way to look at things in our lives. And we actually share an alternative framework to think about these things instead. So I really hope you enjoy listening to this conversation. I'll introduce Laura. Laura, welcome. Thank you so much for uh, coming on the Future Proofing Conversations today. You are... Um, I believe celebrating uh, five years, having founded uh, your specialist coaching company, No More Ifs uh, or Buts, I believe. Is that right? And, there um, it is, the five-year anniversary. Just realised this. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. And you've also founded, um, in the last couple of years, another company called Stress Matters. So you're a workplace well-being uh, expert and specialist, which I'm really excited to talk to you um, about today. Would you like to, to just introduce yourself and, and perhaps you know where you became so passionate about workplace well-being and, and just share a little bit about your story. Yeah of course so yeah my name is Laura Kapalabra as you said I'm the founder of No More Ifs or Buts um, and I founded um, Stress Matters actually it was a few years ago so I founded Stress Matters 2017 um, or it started 2017 and it became a real big kind of topic of interest for me because of my personal experience in terms of I had burnout in my mid-20s and I didn't really know what it was at the time and I think time has kind of shown me that it was something that shouldn't just be ignored and something that we should acknowledge and deal with um and also I used to run a marketing agency and members of my team went off on stress leave as well I call it stress leave sick leave with stress um and so it became an ever more kind of present thing in my world also in fact my husband um had depression and anxiety for a few years and so I kind of all these things were happening around me and I was really conscious that I didn't really feel like there were many people doing anything about it. A lot of people were saying how stressful our worlds were, but no one was really giving any businesses practical advice on how to improve the well-being of their team. And that's where I felt like there was something that I could offer back to businesses and say, look, from you know not just personal experience of course that all the training that I've had as well but actually there are some really easy things that we can do in businesses to put workplace well-being as a strategic priority. Mm, and I guess well-being people probably don't you don't get too much pushback against that I don't know if anyone goes oh we don't want to do any more well-being but what, You'd be what surprised. do people sometimes yes yeah. so um we tend to take an approach so we are very focused on insights so I'm because I used to run a very different business as well I am very conscious that my finance director quite rightly would always ask me where the money had gone and mm. how there was a return on investment and I think what's historically happened around kind of well-being in the workplace is that people would spend money and people have been spending a bit more money on well-being over the last probably four or five years um 
but they haven't really been thinking about the return on investment. So I think what's happened is a lot of, you know, not necessarily finance directors, but people in business have gone, oh, it's not worth it because, you know, we're not seeing any change. It's just money that's easy to cut. Um, so from our side, sometimes we have to convince the business that they need to relook at it again and come at it um, at a slightly different angle. When we're working with a business, we're extremely clear that we um, audit a business when we start working with them. We measure the level of stress through various scales that we have. So we can show an extremely direct correlation um, between what's happening and the, um, the level of poor mental health or the level of lack of productivity, for example, in the team. Um, and yes, of course, there's gonna be some other um, things that might influence that as well, but we can see quite clearly the, the, the link. And that obviously mm. makes it a lot easier conversation in terms of return on investment. So I'm very aware that, you know, well-being for me is the right thing to do because of course we should look after our team. Like for me, that's obvious. But I also appreciate there's lots of businesses where, particularly at the moment, they're, of course, looking at how they can save money and how they can um, make sure their businesses are as efficient as possible. So mm. what we do is we essentially show them that it's costing them money by not investing in workplace well-being. And it's this kind of weird maths where um, there's so much data and we have all the data to prove that actually if you invest in your team, you get a return on investment of anything between two and 10 to 11 to one. Um, in wow. terms of return on productivity. So that's because huge amounts of costs of poor mental health and poor well-being come through on absenteeism, presenteeism and staff turnover. So actually, if you start to improve them, it's not like you're necessarily going to make more, um, you know, more sales, which hopefully you will, because the presenteeism is decreased. But the costs that we kind of just spread across our budgets actually start to reduce. And, and that's where it's an interesting conversation with people about the actual return on investment for well-being services. Mm. And a difference between sort of two or to 11 times, what is it that makes it even more yeah, um, so the two to one stuff is the real kind of what you'd imagine the basic stuff. So if you're going to run some, you know, some yoga sessions, you're going to talk a, lot, a little bit about it every so often, you're going to run the odd thing, you're going to put, you know, old world, you'd put some fruit in the in the office, that kind of thing. That's more your two to one level. Your fruit in the office is, is a two to one return on investment. That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. Yeah. Um, but when you're looking up at the 10 to 11, it's essentially when it's more of a strategic priority. So when mm. it's when it's on the discussion of pretty much every single meeting, when the directors have it as part of their remit, it was also part of their review um, process as well. So if the leaders of the business and every level of the business know that the well-being of their team is completely um, paramount to the success of the business, that's when you see the big change because it just changes the mindset of people. Um, but it also means it's it's built in. So rather than being reactionary, so something like an employee assistance program is a really good tool for, for people if they need them. The problem is it's really reactionary most of the time. So people only reach out when they need it. And also sometimes they don't reach out because they don't want the company to know that it exists they kind of fit more in the two to five to one type mm -hmm. level. It's the proactive, strategic um, culture change stuff that's that, that higher level of return of investment. Mm, brilliant. And what have you found then in the last year? Because presumably this has become, uh, come to the top of the agenda for a lot of uh, decision makers, a lot of um, business leaders uh, today. What have you found in the, in the last year? Have you found... See, of your work in, in stress matters, has it taken off? What, what, 
yeah i mean yeah in essence it, i suppose it has taken off um because we had quite a few clients before and we were obviously doing stuff for from our side it was nice that we could be there to support those clients that we were already working with through the um, pandemic or through the tough part of the pandemic um last year when everyone was a little bit more uncertain um that was really positive that we could just be there to support people last year and knew exactly what they were going through and the, and the impact on their businesses and their people um in terms of new businesses and new people, yeah, it's definitely awakened people's um, consciousness around well-being, I think. So we've had a lot of um, uh, new clients come on board. Interesting, a lot of them have come to us saying, right, we just need to do a stress workshop. Like the team looks stressed. Can we do some kind of stress management workshop? And we, yeah, yeah, sure, we can. But for us, that's the reactionary stuff. That's not mm. actually going to change things dramatically. So um, we have quite a few clients coming on board and we'll, we'll do one or two workshops for them and then they kind of get it. So at that point, they realise that actually this isn't going to be fixed by an hour workshop this is something we need to change a little bit more fundamentally so what we've seen over the last probably three or four months is that where companies were coming on board and saying oh can we just do a couple of workshops here and there they're now starting to have those conversations we're now looking at them with kind of that more strategic approach which we know gets them better return on investment and they're starting to see that so yeah we've seen the people kind of react and jump and try and help the team which has been great from our side to see that they're even caring mm -hmm. to that level um and what's been really nice is now we're starting to see a bit more of a shift of people going okay this isn't just to fix it this is actually prevented in the future how can we be proactive and think about how can we build networks into our organization that support well-being how can we make sure we've got the skills in-house to be able to help people um, if they need it in terms of things like mental health first aid training and what is it actually our team needs because I think one of the things we were finding at the beginning was people were coming to us saying all right we want to do a workshop on stress when you start having the conversation or a good example actually that we we did a um, workshop on balance um we have an approach to to balance called the be do approach a bit like work-life balance but mm. different um and we were doing a workshop for that with somebody and they said oh you know people are working too many hours we want to do a, a workshop about balance so they can find better balance sounds great sounds lovely and we, and we did that but actually as soon as we got into that workshop it was only an hour but all the conversations we were hearing in that one workshop they were having um, some quite serious mental health issues, some of the team members. And we're saying, well, workshop on balance isn't gonna help these individuals. This isn't what's gonna, what's gonna save these guys from, from getting more poorly. So actually now we need to be speaking to you about mental health level um, questions and actually how can we give them the support they need? So it's been interesting where people have come in and said, right, I think this is what we need. But when we've asked the team what they need, sometimes they need something a bit different. And that's mm. what we're trying to get people to do now is actually, you know, let's talk to your team, find out what they want and what they need rather than making an assumption at, at that kind of HR level. Yeah, I really want to get into the balance conversation um, um, in a minute, but maybe first, just what are the challenges perhaps that you found around talking about mental health or, or also perhaps, you know, not making it such a maybe a tick box exercise, maybe something like, maybe that's your comment about it not being so reactionary, trying to push it up the sort of into a more strategic conversation. Yeah, um, I think um, when we started this a few years ago, um, I remember so clearly having a conversation with um, 
with a guy who I didn't know overly well, but he was quite respected um, and in, in industry. And I had a conversation with him. I was telling him about this concept of stress matters and what I was going to do with it. And the first thing he said to me is, oh, you don't want to call it stress matters because stress is a really negative word, isn't it? And I was like, oh, that's kind of the point. Like, I kind of want to put it out there and say this is important. And, and so I resisted taking his advice. And I was like, no, do you know what? It's important we use the word stress or mental health, we, that we use these words in this language and don't shy away from it. And ever since then, I've always, I think that I hadn't really thought about it until that point quite early on, but that point really then changed it for me. I was like, no, I'm going to use the correct language as far as I'm concerned so we're going to talk about mental health we're going to talk about illness we're going to talk about stress because it is what's happening mm. and if we don't use the language other people aren't going to use the language so I'm also very aware that um a lot of it comes down to honesty so to, to break stigma there's a lot of work we do in terms of industry um helping people we do a lot of content generation to try and break the stigma um but also on a personal level on each of the team members we make it very kind of um, very much part of the way we communicate with people that we will very much always ask people, how are they doing today and, and really want to hear how they're doing today. But we will also be very open about how we are. So, you know, I was saying um, saying earlier that my mum's um, unwell with COVID at the moment. So things are pretty crap for me right now because I've got family members and she's not the only one. I've got family members who are sick and and we're big believers that the more we talk about, you know, if we're having a good or bad day, the more it puts other people at ease of having that conversation as well. So that's on the kind of the very small level, how we try and break the stigma is by us talking about how we're doing asking other people how they're doing and of course telling everybody in the kind of the wider context that we're not all okay and but that's fine like you mm. can have good and bad days it's a continuum like we all move around exactly like some days I feel like I can go for a run and other days I've hurt my leg and I can't like it's exactly the same and so we yeah we spend we're quite conscious of kind of trying to really break down that stigma as much as we can and we work with people like mental health first aid um England to to run their courses to make sure that there's a kind of a structured way of breaking that stigma as well but yeah we we're really kind of focused on making sure it's a topic of conversation for people mm, interesting and, and we found in Hoxby I think pandemic wise there's lockdowns again people have got their kids at home you've got you've got a lot of different pressures haven't you now which um have just only probably increased this as a as a challenge for people um and i think also freelancers as well you, you're taking on an awful lot when you choose to to work for yourself you know you're now taking on the financial responsibility a lot of the things that perhaps were taken care of for you by an organization perhaps um are now not no longer there so i think it's a really important point and an interesting one when we look at sort of uh, mm. freelance workers as well and I don't know if that's something you've come across or, or even your own experience as you you know you left your uh, agency world and started your own um, business is yeah. that something you've I think there's I think there's definitely a shift um one really positive thing that jumps to mind straight away was in the summer of 2020 um mental health first aid England I said we run their first aid uh, mental health first aid courses and they were busy working behind the scenes um changing the format so it could be online um and so when we were able to deliver their courses again and we opened up um, them online our courses were rammed for the first kind of two months we couldn't put on enough courses but what for me was the really interesting thing was it was all individuals booking onto it no companies were booking on their team 
which is historically what we would normally um, we'd normally book on because we run some public courses as well as in-house courses. But for those couple of months, it was all individuals booking on and all of those people saying, I'm having a tough time or somebody I know is having a tough time and I just want to know more and understand more. And for me, and a lot of those were freelancers. And for me, that was really interesting that actually freelancers were stepping up and saying, I want to I want to understand and I know I need to protect my mental health because otherwise I can't work and therefore I can't earn money. So it was really interesting to see that shift. And so we've seen it in that sense. Um, mm. Also, we run a program called Buddies Matter, which is um, a support kind of uh, peer-to-peer matching support program. Uh, where basically we get um, people, um, we match people and say, look, it's not a mentoring program. It's very much just knowing there's somebody there that will listen to you if you're having a rubbish day or if you're having a great day, because some people have got a great support network and other people don't. Um, And I think obviously with everything with you guys do in terms of community, community is important. And actually if somebody doesn't Mm. feel connected to a community, having somebody they can talk to can make a really big difference. Um, And so we have quite a lot of freelancers on that scheme as well. So we get quite a lot of kind of um, insight from them. And then, as you said, in terms of myself personally, yeah, when I moved being, you know, part of a team, leading a team to for the first year and a half, two years, probably for the first year and a half, I was very much on my own. Then I started working with some associates and I brought on um, some team members about 18 months ago and and the team has been growing kind of permanently since then. that first couple of years it's hard because yeah you are the person bringing the money your success is entirely dependent on you and part of it was terrifying because I knew that I was the one responsible for putting you know putting money in my bank if I didn't work hard I wouldn't get the money but also that for me there was a massive thrill and adrenaline about that that actually where I'd worked at this amazing agency you know, I think I did good work there, but also, you know, a lot of the success would be down to the the team and the heritage and the clients we already had. And for me, there was that thrill that when I started off on my own, I knew that if I was successful, it was because of me. Hmm. Um, And if I wasn't, it was also because of me. And I quite liked that um, pressure. Whereas I know that for some people that can be really overwhelming. and, And we're really conscious that when we started Stress Matters, it's always been aimed at changing culture and workplace well-being. But it's one of the reasons we set up Buddies Matter was because of so many freelancers not having that culture change, but also needing a mindset change and the way they could, like looked after themselves. Mm, interesting. Yeah, I, the community is a huge thing. I mean, that's something that I certainly helped, like uh, really helped kind of make the shift. And um, Hawksby's one, I joined Leapers as well. I think just before that it was another sort of Slack community and mm. and with the pandemic we set up another thing called remote workmates as well so sort of people working remotely for the first time to just mm-hmm. pair them up with an experienced remote worker and the, and the things that they do um i mean what what are one of the pillars that you've you, you talk about with um is is insights isn't it i just wondered what is what are some of the kind of biggest causes of of stress uh that you sort of see um from from the work that you do we could talk about that. complete variety complete variety so you kind of touched on it before that um now we've gone into lockdown a lot of people are kind of uh, juggling with the homeschooling mm. and that pressure um 
And so it's completely different for different people because of course, if you've got a family and you're trying to juggle a full-time job with um, having your young kids at home and trying to homeschool, that is a huge amount of pressure in itself because you're trying to do two jobs at exactly the same time. Um, those people that are in industries or freelance where maybe the work's not coming in, you've got the financial um, pressure um, coming through as well. So, um, and of course, anybody that's living on their own and feeling isolated again, you know, isolation is a huge, huge um, pressure on um, our mental health and, and actually kind of a, um, levels of disconnection can actually cause you more harm than things like obesity. Um, so it's actually a real big challenge for some people. So I think the, the causes of pressure for people at the moment are very varied as they are all the time, but I think they're probably more at a pronounced level for everybody at the moment, but they still vary dramatically um you know for me working from home um and um being quite home-based is very different for me but because i'm used to being in client offices but actually that doesn't cause me any pressure at all actually i've got um family members who are unwell that's the thing that's causing me pressure at the moment so i think the the causes of pressure and stress can be really different i think where we find um people I suppose that for me, the easiest way to answer it is the other way, actually. The way people relieve that pressure and the way people feel less stressed is when they take um, more control and they're more aware of how they're feeling. So actually, when people become more aware of their situation and rather than kind of um, just seeing the bad stuff, they're kind of grateful for the things they do have. They're putting things into perspective. They're putting things into context. That's when they improve um, how they feel about it. So I think hopefully that still answers it kind of looking the other way rather than the biggest cause of stress actually because that's so different for every single person what we find as a common thread to how people relieve some of that stress is actually when they become more aware they can prioritize and they can see the kind of the wood for the trees as they say um then actually that's when their level of stress tends to come down because actually they can be more in control of it essentially stress quite often comes from feeling out of control whatever the kind of the Mm. format of that out of control is so the more you can bring it back to feeling in control um the more healthy people feel so taking so giving people the space to be able to be more reflective and more self-aware and yeah that's perhaps what some of the workshops that you do yeah exactly yeah exactly and you know obviously we do that in a lot of our workshops we do that um in some of our support services and things as well but that this, this is why um for me you know, my aspiration of at some point in the next five to 10 years, there won't be a need for stress matters because actually Mm. people will be so much more self-aware and businesses will be more focused on the well-being of their team as well. That actually it'll become daily practice that people, they might not journal, they might not write stuff down, but they might have that 20 second thought of how am I doing today? Mm. Actually, it was a pretty rubbish day but that's okay because tomorrow is going to be better or do you know what I've had a great day let me enjoy that for a moment and for me I'm hoping that and I've seen a fair amount of change already in the last six nine months but I'm hoping that as people have that bit more space and they're conscious that it can really impact our mental health the pressure that we're experiencing at the moment whatever shape or form that comes in but we can control it we can do positive things for ourselves big or small um and actually there are some really little things we can do for ourselves that actually can make a huge huge difference um we've just got to think about doing them Mm. and what do you think people are people being like sort of managers leaders of uh businesses are becoming better at better at some of this stuff like there's been a big focus i think around 
emotional intelligence, um, people's skills, that that type of thing. Um, EQ is a big um, mm. topic. These days. Have you sort of noticed a, a shift? Do you think you're on that path towards yeah, you know, being yourself so. out, of, out of a business in five years' time? Um, may, uh, my five years might be a bit optimistic. <laughs> I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, there's definitely been an increase in the amount of people that will make it a conversation that they'll make time for. Um, there's definitely a conversation with people where I know they've not really done anything before, but they are now doing things for their team. So there's definitely been a shift in the people that we we are connected with. Um, in terms of emotional intelligence, absolutely. I mean, realistically, the fundamentals of everything we do comes down to that emotional intelligence. As mm -hmm. I said, it's that self-awareness, that emotion management, understanding those people around you, that building those, you know, one of our most popular um, workshops is around connection and empathy and getting people to understand how they can actually connect better with their team and with themselves. Um, and that kind of proves that point that that need for emotional um intelligence is becoming a little bit more part of um hr team's focus and for me that leads into everything and i suppose that's where my coaching um kind of side comes back in as well is actually i know how powerful it can be um if you know more about yourself you understand yourself better you can see how you then fit into other places and why sometimes that doesn't fit and why that sometimes doesn't work and why you can feel more stressed in certain situations but you've got to have that sense of awareness of yourself to be able to start doing that mm, and it's interesting because that is also for sure if you're responsible you know for, for other people or you're um managing others but it becomes something that everyone I think needs to do as well doesn't it like actually it's it's up to everyone to be more self-aware to perhaps take that um responsibility um that kind of come comes with this and actually we talk a little bit, a bit about in Hoxby is you know everyone being a leader because leadership is really just about the influence that you're having on, mm. on people around you rather than it necessarily being a position yeah. so quite interesting how it's, we're seeing a bit of a shift, I think, because of the focus on some of these skills to everyone to sort of wake up and become a bit more aware of, of the like emotional intelligence, of the emotional sort of skills, of the self-awareness that, that they need yeah. to put forward. I think totally. I think, you know, for me, the last few years, there'd been quite a big focus on um, people's physical well-being. Um, I think I definitely seen a shift and, you know, I was probably part of that as well of, you know, putting slightly less alcohol, slightly more healthy um, choices. You know, I think physical well-being has been a real, I suppose, I don't like the word trend because I think that makes it sound like it's it's not a good thing or not a permanent thing. But it's a shift for me because I don't think it'll go backwards. I think it's kind of a permanent shift that people have spent more effort, more time, more money as well, of course, Um focusing on their physical well-being in terms of the exercise they do what they eat what they drink and I think people are now going okay well generally I, I get what I need to be doing sometimes we're doing it sometimes we're not of course um but I think physical well-being has been a topic of conversation for a long time and I think that's now moving into that emotional and mental well-being space as well um and I think it's it's just having its time in that sense and of course the pandemic has probably um expedited that to somewhat but I think so we talk about well-being in terms of four areas mental physical mm -hmm emotional and spiritual and for us the spiritual side of that is very much that connection you feel to people and of course with the pandemic and so many lockdowns and so much shielding for some people that sense of lack of connection has been really obvious and that's one of the things that 
um, you know, has been part of the of the press quite a lot, of the news cycle quite a lot, is about, you know, people's mental health. And I think um, it's been interesting how that's shifted um, over the last few years. And yes, we still talk about physical well-being. And of course, at the moment, we're talking about viruses. It's all about physical physical mm-hmm. health and well-being um, predominantly. But of course, that conversation around mental and emotional um, and what we would term a spiritual well-being has started to now have its time, I think. Mm, really interesting. Um, and that sort of comes a bit to the, towards purpose, does it? You're the spiritual piece, like around why you do what you do how you feel kind of connected to some deep purpose is that would you yeah exactly exactly that so understanding that is that self-awareness piece that um as you said that um what am I who am I you know why am I here all of those big questions and so when we're um when we're working with people on their on the spiritual well-being um we tend to be looking at those kind of that that probably more coaching type stuff is that kind of delving in a little bit and understanding but also on that team level understanding how you fit and how you guys work and you as a team how you work together and what your purpose is you know we consider ourselves very much kind of an impact-led business and you know we focus on doing good and you know for us it um as I said earlier it's very much about um giving back as much as we can everything we do goes back into into the community and supporting Mm. people um and from our side we know that's a really strong part of our our purpose and our and as i said you know we hope we're not needed for however many more years um and i think when people start to understand what their own purpose is it can give them that real passion and that fuel to to really push forward and I was very lucky when I, you know, I loved my previous career as well. But when I changed careers five years ago, um, I found myself in another career that I really loved. And then I kind of had this slight sidestep into well-being over the last few years as well. And that's been, again, I've been very happy and very lucky that that's given me um, that extra purpose, particularly at a time like now where I think it's really important. And that's where on a personal level, at the beginning of the pandemic, we went into full, well, the team as well, we went into full help mode, uh, full support mode, because to your point around purpose, I think we all kind of felt that, you know, we, we, we needed to feel like we were doing something to help. And we need, we knew that our general purpose for the organization has always been to support people on their mental health and well-being. And it felt like at that time, that was the only thing we could be doing. And, and it, by us having that purpose, I think it helped all of us as a team feel like we got through lockdown probably fairly well, because yes, we worked ourselves silly in terms of hours and stuff and didn't listen to our own advice sometimes because we were so desperate to help so many people. Um, but it gave us that sense of purpose. And I think, mm. yeah, that spiritual well-being piece for me, it it's the one that always kind of comes last for people, I think. Um, and as I said, we've kind of started off with the physical well-being in society and we're kind of slowly moving through mental emotion. And I think eventually we will really connect into that spiritual well-being piece. But yeah, hopefully as a team, we're probably a little bit further ahead on that on that journey but we see the power of it we know how impactful it can be that's fascinating thanks um for that my last question you mentioned it earlier is about um the be do balance which sounds like a a nice way to talk about work-life balance but is it different do you want to just explain a little bit yeah, it is right. different. So um, we, I, again, it all comes down to me all the time. This is the thing when you start something on your own, it all comes down to, to what you think <laughs> of back in the day. So I 
um, as I said, I used to love my career, but it was a really fast paced career and fast paced um, role. And I used to get uh, told off a lot by my friends and family for working too many hours. And I used to really get frustrated at this because I used to love my, I loved my job. I loved mm. my work, I still do, but my, at the time, very different work. I used to love all that work. And it, it got me really thinking about this kind of concept of work-life balance because they were telling me I had this awful work-life balance. And I was like, well, you don't really have the right to tell me whether or not I have a good work-life balance. Surely that's my balance and I get to decide that. Yeah, and I have a quote as well, Alan de Botton, because I do the old School of Life uh, workshop. He, he would say, anything worth doing in your life throws your life out of balance. Yeah, so for me, I was like, yeah, you don't get to decide whether or not I have balance or not. You know, it might not be your version of balance, but I'm pretty happy right now. Thanks very much. And so the more and more I thought about it, um, the more it didn't sit right with me, this concept of work-life balance. And um, so then when I started, um, when I retrained as a coach and started doing all my coaching sessions, it came up in conversation a fair amount with my clients as well. And essentially what we boiled it down to was actually finding a balance between being and doing. And that's where the be do balance comes from. So the be do approach. And so it's something we've been doing with our coaching clients for probably four and a half years or so now. Um, I've probably been practicing it for six, seven years at least. Um, and we now run it as an academy for individuals to work on to help um, kind of support their own balance as well. Um, but the idea is that rather than thinking about, you know, work and life and the balance between those two things, thinking about where you get your energy from and actually balancing your time based on those energy sources. And actually you get very different energy from different types of work, different types of things in your home life, but also they can be very different for different people. So some people find a run very calming and relaxing some people find it really high adrenaline some people hate it of course as well but even <laughs> on the people that like it some people find it a really peaceful thing and some people find it a real energizing thing so you've got the same thing people both like it but they get very different types of energy from it and so actually when they're looking to find balance it's about making sure you've got the mix of things that give you those different types of energy rather than mastering what they are so in terms of an approach to work life for me this has always felt a much more natural approach to how we can think about mm. do I feel out of balance and and yes of course sometimes I don't feel um, in balance and I go well is it because I've spent too much time in my doing or spending too much time in my being where can I just like, adjust that slightly and it doesn't necessarily mean more work or less work actually it could be more of certain bits of work and less of other bits of home life mm -hmm. for example so that's where it kind of gives everyone a bit more freedom so yeah we set up an account so we've been doing it with our clients for years as I said kind of on a one-on-one -on -one and, and team basis and then during the summer last year um, in lockdown we had quite a lot of individuals as I said um, becoming a lot more interested in their personal development and their well-being um, and so we set up an academy that was for individuals um, to book onto rather than being a, one of our corporate um, offerings and so individuals book onto the academy and we're just about to start our third, our third cohort in a couple of weeks um and uh essentially it's a 12-week boot camp so it's something where people book on we help them go through the five phases of the approach and they essentially work out what their values are what their vision is what their purpose is 
um, on an individual level, we look at um, what their, yeah, their goals are, the kind of blockers they might experience, the, the habits they need to put into place to be able to achieve what they want. Um, and essentially throughout all of that, it's uh, being underpinned by making sure there's balance in everything they do. Um, and it's been brilliant. We've seen so many people come through the academy with completely different ideas of what they want, what they don't want, not knowing what they want, mm -hmm. but just knowing something probably needs to change. Um, and it's been really lovely seeing people use this time to improve their skills and improve their balance. Fascinating. Laura, thank you so much for your uh, time. It's going to have to wrap up there. It's been really wonderful uh, hearing some of your, your stories and examples and, and the, the campaigns that you're, that you're on to actually improve people's um, well-being in the workplace at the moment in, in quite a difficult time. And I hope your, um, I hope your mum um, recovers and I hope... Um, Wish you all, all the best in the future. Thank um, you. Thank you very much for having me. Touch. It's been great.